Hello. Okay. I can't remember what to do. I know it's weird. What do I say? You just Is say, um, hi, I'm Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And this is Delete My Browser History. And this is a special festive edition. And we have the wonderful Andrina Cordani with us today. And um, if you you might not be able to see us because this is a podcast. But no, Cynthia... But I've got good but, internet now. So this should... Okay, be- so it will be filmed. Yeah. Okay. So Cynthia is holding up Andrina's latest novel, tw- 12 Days of Murder, which obviously is a festive whodunit crimey type thing which is perfect to read this time of year we all love a bit of murder at christmas time so um that's why we asked andrina on and andrina also writes ya um she's the author of the girl who and dead lucky as well so get those on your christmas list too because they're both awesome um <laughs> i haven't started reading um the latest one i'm going to start it on the first of december so oh nice i won't give anything away then no no spoilers Anyway, hello, lovely to be here today. I'm really looking forward to it, sharing all my weird research. (laughs) (laughs) And we're here for it. We can't wait to hear about it. Shall we jump straight in with Two Truths and a Lie? Okay, so I have decided to do... um, So this is a list of three things that nearly killed me. And you have to guess which one didn't really nearly kill me. (laughs) Okay, so I have nearly been killed by one, <laughs> an enraged sea lion, two, a pair of Primark flip flops, three, a false moustache. <gasps> Do you know what? Well, firstly, thank you for like, I really feel like we're seen. Do you, Cynthia, with these like, this is nearly <laughs> yeah, died truth? Definitely. And we didn't prep at all. We just said two truths and a lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I. I don't we we chatted a little while ago about getting stuck and I know that one of um the highest one of the reasons that people have accidents on escalators is because of flip-flops or okay. clocks. I was going to say that one was true as well but yeah. I imagined more especially Primark ones a yeah. bit of like water situation a bit of oh yeah take like, glide and take off somewhere. So I think that's true. I think the moustache seems so unlikely that I want it, that I think it's going to be true. To but also sea lions, because I've seen sea lions up close and they're very, they're very big, aren't they? And if one was really upset with you, then it would easily just like kill you. <laughs> but how <laughs> fast are they? I'm not keeping a poker face through this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking like the moustache. Mm. Maybe as a child, maybe like swallowed or inhaled it or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are really excellent. They're really excellent ones, um, Andrina. That uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're just sitting here in silence while we deliberate. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the. I think the sea lion is false. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have a curveball and say that the flip-flops are false because I think it's too obvious and has probably happened to all of us. Yeah. But I'm probably going to be wrong. But don't (laughs) tell us. Don't tell us until the end. Okay. All right, then. So, yeah, I will shut up. (laughs) Okay. 12 Days of Murder is obviously set around the um, old song, 
yeah of days of christmas and i know you had to do lots of different wild and wonderful Mm -hmm. uh murders in the book and i know that you have researched lots and lots of different scary christmasy things that's right so one of my characters in the 12 days of murder is an artist um who is she's one of my one of my most fun characters to write she's an artist who uh works with byproducts of the meat industry and creates sculptures um based on myths and legends um and folklore so she's obsessed with folklore she's a bit obsessed with the supernatural and you sort of not quite sure how much of it she believes because she likes freaking people out so you know she probably is i mean she's not a very nice person but she's i i still really like her because uh because she just likes to freak people out with scary myths and legends <laughs> so yeah so i got you know i kind of came up with this plan to write this character of shona and then just thought this is the perfect excuse for me to think of look put in loads of really lovely dark myths and legends to sort of help create a creepy atmosphere in the book because they're stuck together in this in this lodge when people keeps bumping them off in uh, people keep, someone keeps bumping them off in a kind of festive themed way um so you know i just wanted there's kind of an absurdity to that but it's also super creepy um and uh, and i just wanted to add to the creepiness so i managed to squeeze in a few kind of myths and legends through shona throughout the book she gets a little bit obsessed with frau perter who is the german christmas spirit and you sort of covered her a little bit last year um i remember you sort of gave the headline news on frau perter is that uh you know she is not a friendly a friendly character at all but she actually started out there's kind of a bit of a a feministy kind of argument about this because you know pre-christian time she was a, a goddess and perta actually means bright one apparently oh. um and one of her other names is holla which means shining and bright mm. um so actually she started out as quite a sort of a, a goddess and she was like the um the goddess of the in-between places so um mm. uh so kind of you know um summer and winter and and most specifically she's the goddess of the period between christmas and new year or you know um a christmas and 12 and and epiphany 12th night um so she sort of fitted perfectly into my story obviously because it's uh because it's all, all referencing the 12 days of christmas um and uh, then slowly kind of she, as she gets uh as christianity comes along she kind of gets older and uglier and more vengeful um and you can read into that what you will i mean as also in the early tellings um she is almost kind of gender fluid because um she's referred to as half man half woman in some of the myths and legends mm-hmm. um and uh but then as she gets more christians she is uh she is one of the very many uh northern european legends that really doesn't like it when you don't work hard and live up to those lovely christian ideals um she's particularly obsessed with spinning um she um in the modern depictions or not had an image of her on a bike yeah (laughs) (laughs) just trying to lose that damn last pound yeah she's really woman uh, really into a peloton yeah (laughs) (laughs) a new face of peloton (laughs) (laughs) and what a face because Basically, she's now depicted as an old crone, sometimes with like a metallic hooked nose. Um, And she's very often got a splayed foot, 
which um, some say it's because she's a shapeshifter and she can turn into like a goose and things. But other other myths and legends say it's to do with the fact that she spins so much that her foot's <laughs> kind of splayed out because she works so hard <laughs> or spins, you know, <laughs> on a peloton. I was um, thinking spinning around on one foot. Mm, yeah, that, not so much. More of a kind of black. She needs to swap <laughs> over. Kind of thing. She's doing her spinning. Yeah, it's true. She's got, got RSI. I mean, no wonder she's cranky. <laughs> <laughs> Do we just clarify spinning as in like spinning, spinning. yarn? Yeah. yeah so, spinning like, so, like old fairy tale. Yeah. Like yeah. So, beauty. Yeah. Spinning, <laughs> spinning wheel. That kind of thing rather than, yeah, Peloton or rather than like kids spinning. No, spinning around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's, um, She's very into the spinning. You have to have all your spinning done by 12th, 12th night. Um, and, you know, in some stories, she tramples on the unspun fibres or she burns them. So, you know, you come down to a mess on the on the morning of Epiphany because she's been in your house and she's trashed mm-hmm. your unspun fibres because you clearly, you know, should have got it all done by then. I mean, this is all organised. Folklore traditions of, you know, the rhythms of the year where basically in the, at the end of summer, you gather all the fibres and, and dry them out. And then by Christmas, when it's too cold to go out and do any farming, that's when you do your indoor tasks like your spinning. Um, so, yeah, she's, uh, she tramples the unspun fi- fibres or, you know, also if she's really pissed off and if your house is a real sty, she will disembowel you and stuff your guts with straw. Oh, um, I, love it. <laughs> I would be screwed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> my house is always a mess. Like, and yeah. oh my god! Yeah. So she she's targeting grown ups, isn't she? Because yeah, this is the other responsible. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So she's not so like Krampus was a story to terrify children and the Yule mm. lads and, and stories like that. It's nearly always naughty children. Um, but with this, it does seem to be a bit more directed at basically women um <laughs> there's no like men being punished for not doing their indoors jobs um but uh but yes yeah, so in some in some parts of the Tyrol as well she's um uh she's associated with um the wild hunt which i love the idea of the wild hunt she flies to the night sky with um uh an army of lost souls um including the souls of unbaptized children and also the the Perten, which are basically like her, her gang of minions of demons that also help her with the disemboweling, I assume. And if you see, like sometimes in, in Tyrol, they still dress up uh, in Austria, uh, mountainous parts of Austria, they'll still dress up um, as Perten in the wintertime and, uh, and dance around. Um, there was also a tradition, I don't know if people still do this, but there was a tradition of leaving out porridge um, as well. Um, and in some stories, she is actually quite nice and she gives you a silver coin or something if you have done all your spinning. Mm. Um, but uh, but yes, mainly, mainly it's just the avoidance of the disemboweling that people worry about. But I do love the the idea of the wild hunt and the pet and um, they, they all kind of, they've morphed over the years and they just look like Krampus now. So they've got big horns and mm. long tongues. Um but uh, but yes, there's still people in the in the in that region sometimes still kind of hold kind of traditional uh, ceremonies where they dress up um, as captains. So so yeah, um, and my character in the Twelve Days of Murder basically gets a bit more and more obsessed with her, um, and uh, and um, it's you know and 
thinks she sees her in the woods and things like that. So that was really good fun to write about. Oh, yeah, she's cool. I know, she is very cool. Um, and I don't know, do we prefer, the, you know, the feminist goddess version who, you know, rewards the hard work and is is kind of a source of light and she's the goddess of vegetation? Or do we pre- re- really prefer the ugly old crone that comes and, you know, rips out our innards? <laughs> You've got more character, I think, yeah. the crone. What do the kids say? Your villain origin story. Yeah. 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 She's just been miffed off too many times. Yeah. There is a retelling that has not been done. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I was just I was just thinking, because it um it's Cynthia's birthday next year. Obviously, she has a birthday every year. <laughs> yeah, we were thinking about what to do, and I'm wondering whether we should just go on a wild hunt. <laughs> yeah, we should fly through the night <laughs> and just out people. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who's really miffed me off over the last year. <laughs> Sad it, the last 40 years we're celebrating. <laughs> oh, definitely send us a list. Um, so, yeah, it was really fun work, um, researching Frau Perkta. Um, One of the things I was a bit disappointed by when I first started researching the book is there is no cool origin story for the 12 Days of Christmas Carol. It's oh. just really boring Victorian sitting around playing the piano and trying to remember all of the presents in order. It's like a, it origin originated as a memory game. So I made one up um, and put it in the book, like a really creepy one where it's all about death and destruction. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was really disappointed that there isn't some kind of, you know, grim uh, yeah. origin story for that. Um, but I also included in the story, in the book, um, so Shona is also very interested in when she goes to to visit this mansion. I wanted the, the mansion where the original crime was committed. Or the, uh, There's basically like a... A flashback story where um, somebody went missing 12 years ago. One of the characters went missing 12 years ago on Christmas Eve, but nobody knows where um, that person is. Um, and uh, I wanted, uh, and they go missing in this very, very ancient manor house that they're playing a murder mystery game in. So I wanted there to be a resident ghost. Um, and I was looking around and I was thinking about like you know some sort of white lady or something like that because there's a lot of those around and I actually googled like Christmas Eve ghosts and then I was so delighted to find that there is a Christmas Eve white lady um who haunts uh, she actually haunts a church in Norfolk in Worsted which is the place that's famous for producing the wool fabric so spinning again yeah. um but uh, she is um every Christmas Eve apparently she appears at midnight in St Mary's Church and there's um, there's a fabulous like traditionally kind of ghosty story about how um, they were telling this tale in a local park in the King's Arms locally at uh, you know in, in, on Christmas Eve, and this really drunk dude was like, ah, that's a load of nonsense. This is sometime back in the nineteenth century. It's obviously a completely true story. Um, said, oh no, this is a load of old nonsense. I don't believe in ghosts. And he said, you know, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to ring the church bell at midnight to tell to show you that I. Um, that that it's all a load of old rubbish and that I survived. And he said, if I see this ghost, I'm going to offer her a kiss. Um, oh, yay. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she'd be thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> Drunk dude lurching towards you at midnight. That's probably why she's haunting the church in the first place. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, she he, he goes over there and everyone else waits back in the pub for the, the ringing of the bell. And then they, they wait and they wait and they wait and the, the ringing doesn't happen. And finally, they sort of, you know, 
these big strong men get up the courage to go over there and see what's happened and they find him lying collapsed in the bell chamber and his last words were i have seen her <gasps> and he never rang the bell <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, what did she do just asking for it, whatever. Lightened him to death. <laughs> I presume. Or maybe he tried to kiss her and she froze his face off. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, nobody nobody ever did that again. Um, but she does also, there is um a friendlier side to her, which is um back in the 1970s, this um family um uh were looking around the churchyard and um one of the the, the mother of the family felt she, she was feeling a bit ill um she had a bit of an ear infection bless her and she was on medication from the doctor but it wasn't really working very well so she went into the church for a sit down and she had a bit of a pray please let my ear infection go away um and um then uh she started to feel a bit tingly and a little bit better um, and then the infection, ear infection began to go away from that point. Could have been ghost, could have been antibiotics. Um, and, um, yeah, basically then when they developed, uh, you know, back in the seventies, um, uh, I think this is the sixties or the seventies, uh, they, you know, they used to develop your holiday photos and put them on slides so you could bore your friends to death with them afterwards. So they had them all put on slides and they, um, and they showed them to, to a friend of theirs. And um, when when they got to this, the, um, there was one slide of um, the lady, the mother sitting alone in the church when she didn't realise that her husband had taken a photograph of her sitting there. And um, when they showed the slide, they realised that there was this white ghostly figure sitting behind her. Um, so, yes. So maybe this ghost isn't quite so scary as long as you yeah. are polite and nice and don't ask it for, ask her for a kiss on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think that's fine. I think that's fair enough, to be honest. You know, yeah, we all have bad days. We've all been there. In a Santa hat leering at them. Yeah. <laughs> On Christmas Eve, you don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never want it, do you? But you can imagine. Not really, no. But like... Christmas Eve, and if I was a ghost with the power to frighten people to death, I might consider it. You know, yeah. it's a strong message. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, I, I like I moved the whole setting of my manor house to Norfolk um, in honour of that white lady, but I did transpose her into. Um, into the manor house and i had her a little bit more uh like she she likes to stir up troubles and then i made up various incidents of times that she'd appeared over the centuries to the house's residence and that you know um that the story of the man is in there somewhere because there's you know a housekeeper who took fright until she died <laughs> sometime in the 19th century <laughs> when um because it came out in the u.s at the same time didn't it this book? it did did you have to change the setting or did you keep it? No. And there's loads of really British Christmas stuff in there. So, you know, there's the King's Speech. There is People Eating Quality Street. There's mm. Christmas crackers, which they don't have in the States. Um, there are no candy canes because I didn't really think about it. But, you know, in America, it's all candy canes and eggnog. There's no eggnog. No. Um, um, but uh, and there's also like they have lovely hampers in their room because what you said about the gingerbread man earlier on in my story um they all have these welcome hampers in their room including a clooty dumpling which is a brilliant um, scottish version of a uh, christmas pud um but they also have a gingerbread man 
with a little stabby knife coming out of it, just like a little that's been iced on. And since <laughs> desperately looking around to see if anyone does those, but they don't. Oh, <laughs> oh you have to do it yourself. Yeah, I'm really good at icing gingerbread men. So, yeah, I'm sure I'll be <laughs> right on that. <laughs> if I get the time in the wrap to Christmas, I definitely will, though. So, yeah. Um, and then the last like myth that I sort of ended up researching was um, the uh, there's, it's actually a sort of slightly nicer one. So um, in Eastern Europe, uh, lots of people have spider decorations on their Christmas trees. And some of the spider decorations are, you know, downright creepy looking because the spiders, but, but they're not leftover Halloween decorations. They're, you know, actual um uh, christmas traditions in sort of poland and parts of ukraine um basically there's an old eastern european folklore tale where um once there was a poor family who bought a christmas tree from the forest into their cottage but they couldn't afford gifts or food or, or decorations um in some stories the tree is inside the cottage and some tree, stories the tree is outside the cottage um, but uh, the children were weeping and wailing at the thought of a joyless Christmas. And in the corner of the cottage, a spider heard them and took pity. And she worked all night to spin webs as decorations. Aww. When dawn broke, sunlight lit onto the tree and the webs were magically transformed into gold and silver. Aww. Since then, people, really are, the family will never poor again. And people honour the spider and their Christmas decorations. And oh, that's lovely. Yeah, it's kind of nice. I am <laughs> so hormonal at the minute that that oh. makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel like little tears. Oh, that's so yeah. nice. It's a cute little spider. I know, and I also like a bit Christmas. of re rehab for spiders as well because they do yeah. get a lot of uh, a lot of bad rep. <laughs> yeah. The older I get, the softer I am towards creatures like that. Like, where a spider, I don't know, 10 years ago, you would have thrown it out or... yeah. Um, but now, oh, I just... No, I can't. Not... I don't like killing them. I don't like killing them. Oh, no, them. I won't, no. There's one that lives in our kitchen at the minute. He's really high up, so I can't reach him anyway. Um, but we had like a fruit fly infestation at, in the oh. summer, as you do. Yeah. do anything. Like, <laughs> you know, and he just sits there. And the only reason we know he's still alive is because every now and then, if you come down late at night with the dog, he's like dropped down oh. <laughs> for a little bit slow. So... Yeah. He's not pulling his weight, basically. I wonder if there's like a spider Frau Perkter that's going to yes. come. Yes. <laughs> I think that story's got a Charlotte's Web vibes as well, hasn't it? Yeah, maybe that's yeah. where Charlotte Web came, where Charlotte's Web came from. Yeah, it, it, does, it does sound very um, like maybe the origin of Charlotte's Web. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Um, Andrina, if you tell us the your 12 days of christmas origin is that gonna is that gonna have any spoilers in it because i no, would love to know no, what can, you came up with i can read it out to you just imagine this being intoned by um a slightly uh, uh creepy um uh artist <laughs> and she says there's a tale about a king in ancient times whose daughter was grievously ill the king visited death in his place and begged him to let the princess survive the winter, offering a plump, freshly killed partridge. Death accepted the gift, which the king hung in a pear tree, and the princess survived another night. But death said it wasn't enough, so the next day the king offered a brace of turtle doves, then three French hens, then four collie birds. Yet still death came. It still wasn't enough. The king tried gold, but the princess's soul was worth far more than that. Finally, the king turned to human sacrifice. 
the milkmaids were the first to go, and then the dancing girls. When ten of his most powerful lords subjected to the killing, the king slaughtered them too. Finally, the king ordered the deaths of twelve drummers, but as the executioner swung his axe, death appeared on the scaffold. He said that his palace was now far too noisy with the chattering maids and the dancing ladies and the pipers piping. He had no need for drummers too. He'd rather take one quiet princess instead. The drummers were freed and they turned upon the king and tore him to pieces. So father and daughter went into the house of death together, hand in hand. That Isn't gave that me goosebumps. That was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. I want that to be the making. I want that to be true. Yeah, I'm just going to tell people that. Yeah, we'll like we'll try and make it happen. Make, it, yeah. make people believe that it's a real a real myth. I and the escalation works so well, doesn't oh, it? Like, I think that. Surely that's a li- that's like a short story or a novella or something. <laughs> like a little, yeah. Well, that's I've done brilliant. it now. <laughs> I could do it as like a little spin-off, maybe. For yeah, the a little spin-off next year. Yeah, like the extra chapter at the end. You know, when yeah. you get a little um, bonus. Yeah, bonus. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, I'd, I'd lo- really, really love a job just making up new myths and legends from scratch. That would just be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's making me wonder now, though what what is real, what is really true? <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I I started writing a, a story ages ago that was kind of this thing where like myths and legends of a local town came together, came true. Yeah. And, um, I came up with a few things and and you're right it is just so much fun to kind of think of something that maybe you've read already or you've heard it and you just have your own spin on it or something um it is a lot of fun I think that's just what we do isn't it that's like it is it is just what we do just make stuff up yeah Um, yeah I love those town myths like you know the ones in Kat Ellis's books with you know that where there's like a everyone says that this um this Sadie yeah yeah this cave is haunted or whatever it's really kind of I love those things um but so yeah I've I've never lived I've because I've always lived in the burbs I've never lived anywhere particular particularly haunted and I think Mm. Cynthia a few years ago you asked on Twitter like who's got a good local ghost story and I looked up like Dorset local ghost stories and there are that I've actually got a book of Dorset ghost stories Mm. um back there somewhere but the one that came up top was um was um when Apparently there was an inland village, and I can't remember which village it was now, but uh, um, a, a cart went through the village um, and it, on its way um, to, I think, on Dorchester, to Dorchester or something like that from the coast. And a load of crabs, live crabs, fell off the back of the cart and the villagers were terrified because they'd never seen live crabs before and they thought the, world, the, the village was being invaded by these terrifying clawed monsters. Mm. Um, and I'm actually... To be honest, I don't think that that story. I mean, I don't think that story is even vaguely true. But <laughs> I think it. I think it was like the neighbouring village made that story up to take the piss out of their neighbours. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, maybe like that's how stupid you are. Yeah, this is like you know, like you know. Obviously, we don't tell Irish jokes anymore. But um, Irish jokes, if you're in Ireland, it's it it's Kerryman jokes, and if you're yes. in Kerry. I yeah. don't know. It's probably like get boils down to one tiny village against another tiny village because we like to take piss out of our neighbours, and I think that's where that comes from. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is true. I had a bad experience with a crab once, so I would, I can um, I see you. You reacting actually? <laughs> yeah. I. It was when I lived abroad, and I was living alone, 
um, in this house. And I didn't live next to the beach or anything, but it was on an island. And yeah. I got up one morning, came downstairs, and in the patio doors that had a scr- had the glass and then a screen door, right at the top corner was a massive crab. Oh. Just sitting there, crab-like. So that is think- strange. Yeah. So how and- had it got in the middle? Why did it come out of the sea, crawl up the beach, across the road, down my street, <laughs> into my garden, and go? I'm going to get up there. Mm-hmm. It was so. I was. I, I saw. Weren't living on Christmas road. Island, weren't you? Pardon? You know, Christmas Island, where they have that massive migration of crabs every year. Yes. And the yeah. whole that ground is just alive with crawling crabs. They, they do. Th- this was in Grand Cayman, and they did have a bit of that, but not on, not to that extent. Yeah. I just. I. I, I still and then I, I just left it and then I went to work and when I came down it had fallen down and was just sort of at the bottom of the patio door but still and I thought oh it's gonna lay eggs or something in like in my patio doors oh, <laughs> it was terrible it funny because like, I couldn't have coped with that then like in mid-20s <laughs> bro- like I would have just left it there now I'd be like hey buddy do you want to come in? have some water like what do you <laughs> sand just well, I've been, yeah, it's fine having with my kids such a lot I know how to pick them up now yeah. I mean I don't think if it was like that big I don't it think was, it was it was like that I'll find I a picture like, I'll find a picture and we'll put it totally on Instagram. mirroring it back to the sea with bacon <laughs> yeah it was so strange so you strange. eat bacon oh if you go crabbing that's what you use as bait you use bacon I mean everything loves bacon really <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah. Oh, that makes them seem quite sinister well, this is like when I've been crabbing with my kids um, and when we went crabbing up in Loch Fine, um, up near where my sister lives, you know, down here in Bournemouth, I think the crabs are a bit streetwise and cynical and you might, you know, get one or two tiny little ones. Um, I dropped my crabbing net into the loch and there was literally this bundle of crabs and then they all started fighting each other in the net. And then we, at one point we caught an eel and um, and a crab and the crab was like gnashing at the eel trying to get to it and uh, we had to like rescue the eel by chucking it in the back into the water oh my gosh um, away from the crab <laughs> wow. so yeah they're quite gnarly beasts i think, I they, think you know, I, they're scrappy they're scrappy i was talking to another author called nikki perfect who writes non-fiction she's an ex um police officer and um she's like a communications coach as well and she was saying that there's like this thing, crabs in a bucket, like yeah, that it, it's that idea that people will always like try and tear you down, like you know, sort of that's just how how they are. And if you have like a bunch of crabs in a bucket, they will just literally try other. and climb over each other, but pull each other down. They're like, you're yeah. not getting out this bucket, like. You think we'll, we'll all just die together then, shall we? <laughs> that's just people for you, though. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah crabs in a bucket. Yeah, I've never heard that saying before, but it really makes sense because um, when you read all the eco crabbing guidelines, so that you're not, you know, you're crabbing but not being cruel, um, they do say you're not allowed to put. Uh, I think I think it's no more than two crabs in one bucket because they if they if there's more than two, they will just start. Yeah, you know, ter- defending their territory of this tiny corner of a bucket. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, not not particularly pally. No. Um, very festive, the subject of crabs. <laughs> oh, it is Christmas Island, I suppose, that sort of time. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Well. So um, what are you guys doing for Christmas, bringing it back to Christmas? Yeah. 
low-key Christmas this year I've, I've yeah. consciously said because you know you can you can kind of start getting caught up in racing around seeing everybody and then you're just exhausted and you think I just kind of want to have a bit of time at home and in my yeah. pajamas and just chilling out so we're we're sort of gonna consciously do that a bit more I think this year but I am really feeling it this year I feel really festive oh, already good. yeah my so. tree's been up for two weeks already yeah <laughs> brilliant <laughs> well obviously i've been wearing a christmas jumper since october the 26th when the book came out oh so, yes. yeah and, and i've been writing about it like for the past year so i feel you know i'm kind of like what it hasn't happened already yeah <laughs> it you, says how you... much i'm into myths and legends that when you said low-key christmas i thought you were like gonna <laughs> <Loki>. christmas. <laughs> just chaos everywhere it's <laughs> probably what i will have yeah um we both have kind of Christmassy birthdays. So um, before COVID, we used to, we made it a little tradition to go to Germany in the few days between Christmas and New oh. Year. So we're doing it again this year for the first time. Lovely. Uh, so we're going to Berlin for the Christmas markets. And, oh, lovely. So, we <laughs> I wonder, yeah. Get all your spinning now done. I know about it, yeah. <laughs> I'll get my Peloton before, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate spinning. It's. I've tried it. It's not for me. No. I, really I mean, bored. I haven't tried the yarn kind, but I, I have. No, me neither. <laughs> I mean, I love cycling. Spinning, not so much. But I don't. I don't like going on an exercise bike. It's just vile. It's boring. just so boring and yeah. painful. I would rather run, which is saying something. <laughs> no, I would rather run because at least when you're running, you have that like all those emotions of oh my god this is amazing and then five seconds later you're like why why yeah. I do this to myself you... and then like 10 minutes later you're like this is great the wind is in my hair and then oh. I just love the like mental breakdown of a good run <laughs> have you do you did you used to watch peep show yeah no so was, no there's what there was a bit in that where Mark goes running because he really fancies this girl she's got a nice bum and uh, he goes running with her and and you can hear his thoughts and he's like oh my god i'm amazing at running this is <laughs> yeah. easy oh god i'm dying i'm yeah. dying yeah. it's so it's funny so true it is so true <laughs> yeah. now, we never watched peep show and my sister loves it and our in-laws love it and we went to give it a go and i think in the very first episode he meets someone who he thinks has cancer and he's going to give them a pity shag and i was like oh. this is not my humor <laughs> yeah it does it does cross the line quite a lot yeah quite and normally lot. i can handle it but for the first what well, i was just like no no. <laughs> no no thank you i i think it's probably not it's one of those things that's of its time and it probably there's some episodes yeah. and scenarios where it hasn't aged very well i imagine Whereas um, we're rewatching Father Ted for like the eight millionth time, and it just ate, it it's just so funny. Like I mean, there is the odd bit, but it mm. it was quite ahead of its time. When you've got like the there's um a musician who's like it's basically Sinead O'Connor, and she comes over and she's really like anti-Catholic, and and you just wonder how they kind of got away with it back in mm. 1995 or whatever. It's just brilliant. Channel Four though, isn't it? Channel yeah. Four, you know, I'd be going to them with my sitcoms and stuff. Yeah, Derry oh, Girls, in between all the good ones that you can like watch over and over. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, if you were to watch like the average Friday night on Channel Four in the late nineties, yeah, I mean, we're talking Euro Trash. We're talking what the a word. Time. Yeah, you yeah. guys probably don't know. I don't know about the word, but it was pretty grim. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> the word. 
Um, and the CFI Friday. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great time. And then you got Hangover TV when you were a teenager and then you were T4. Yeah. Amazing. Shipwrecked, watching all of those hot people just go through a horrible scenario while you were eating a McDonald's. Yeah. I do miss that TV thing where you just had actually no choice about what you watched and you watched it and it was a bit shit, but you sort of enjoyed it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we're watching um, the Squid Game Challenge, the reality one. And as soon as it came out, I was like, I'm not watching that. No, mm. not my thing. Don't want to watch a reality show. Put it on. And within about 10 minutes, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Oh, is it good? It's so good. But you probably oh. get embroiled in the, the drama of it all. Yeah. My friend, not my friend, someone I interviewed, when I, I did a, when Dead Lucky came out, I did a piece or Prima magazine about unlikely influ- influencers. Um, and uh, I interviewed this girl, this woman who does, um, she's a female mechanic. So she's got like a quite a successful Instagram account with about fixing cars. And, um, and uh, she's on it. And I, oh, she's not, yeah, I just like, yeah. cause I still follow her on Instagram, obviously. And, uh, and suddenly like she's sort of sharing these pictures of like with an arrow to, pointing towards her. Oh, so I kind really of cool. got someone to cheer for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got to say that editing does that really brilliant thing of gets you fully invested in somebody and then they're gone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, really, really good mm-hmm. editing. I presume they don't actually shoot them because, you know, <laughs> Louise is still I mean, I still would have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite brutal though but it's it's much more about how it's crabs in a bucket it's how Mm. people act with each other and like some of the personalities in there are just fascinating because i think i'd be like no i'll go now i'm done i'm yeah but that's also what locked room mysteries are about as well or not locked room but the closed circle things where you're all snowed in in a in a house together it's it is crabs in a bucket yeah. <laughs> and you watch and everything all cool. it takes is one person to approach it in that way and then yeah. it is off the same thing in other people whereas if nobody did it you'd probably all find a nice resolution but if you've got that personality type in there yeah that's it you, you're done for um, so my husband's a researcher and he was part of a thing called the bystander project a few years ago um and it's basically researching the bystander effect which is um where basically the more if so if the an incident happens in like if, in public if there's a fight or something like that the more people surrounding the incident the less likely someone is to intervene because we have this crowd hesitancy and then oh, as soon as someone else someone intervenes everyone else kind of like piles them to be a hero too yeah um but uh, yeah, there's a lot of thing. research on that. That's like a personal safety thing because there's been. I I would always be the person who would want to intervene, and might get told not to, you know, because mm. it's not safe. Mm. Um, which is sad. um, I think there's this thing as well that if so, I don't know why we got round to like being like beaten <laughs> no, up by a massive gang of people or something. <laughs> the bystander thing. Mm. I was talking to my friend about this. Do you remember back in the day they used to say if someone attacks you, you're supposed to like shout fire because if you shout help, people won't come and help you. I've heard yep. that, yeah. Um, yeah. But she said no. What they say is now that if you, I mean, obviously this is only if you're if you're around people, but if you are in a big group where everyone's watching, you're supposed to like point at someone and say you help me so you're like you're 
you're saying you're demanding your their help from yeah um but obviously I guess you're not really thinking straight but it kind of almost guilts them into getting involved because I can see how that would work yeah yeah yeah. but that only otherwise you're just part of a crowd yes that's right sorry going back to the crabs in a bucket thing sorry this is such a you know interesting concept I've missed um watching a fire safety video because I'm a fire warden take it very seriously and um I have a vest and everything a luminous vest but they did a fire they did a thing on an airplane it was like a sim- simulation um to see how long it would take to evacuate an airplane if it was like you know on the on the water or what have you and they did it once and of course everybody got off very nicely and safely because they weren't actually in danger it was just pretend and they yeah. were like oh it took this long and everybody was fine and then on the next on the next go they said right the first 10 people off gets like a thousand pounds or or something and <laughs> they filmed it and it was just like carnage people were like climbing over each other pushing each other out the way you know pull it like trying to get down get down the chute before anybody else did like crabs in an airplane <laughs> that's that was, yeah it's scary like i said it just takes it. one person to start that and then everyone else like, oh, with that mindset is i'm not well, I just like. I'm well, just to be honest, it sounds a bit like speedy boarding to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the person that sits there and lets everyone get up for speedy boarding, and then tootle quietly to my seat afterwards because I. Uh, yeah, because otherwise you're just going to sit on the plane oh, for half exactly. an hour. Exactly. What the hell? <laughs> exactly. Oh, anyway, I have an airline story. Just before, oh. just just before we move on, we went on holiday in September, and um, we I had checked. We it was one of those so much stuff had happened we actually didn't know if we were going to be able to go on this holiday so I waited until the very very last minute to check us in so it meant that we weren't sat together but we were sat opposite each other and we got on and it was that gamble of who's going to be sat next to like the people who want to either chat all the way through or a little bit yeah oh yeah so I got on sat next to this couple very quiet very polite said hello that was it Luke was sat on the other side and these two seats stayed empty until like we were going to, and I was like, yes, he's got the good seats. We're going to be able to sit together. We'll have a whole row. Well, just before takeoff, this old couple, I want to say they must've been in their seventies. They wobbled onto the plane. Now, when we had got to the airport, there was construction going on at the terminal. So we got like ferreted around all of these like hoarding boards and when we got to the departure lounge there was no there was nothing there apart from vending machines so we never got the option to go for a drink we never got to look around the shops we just had to sit in this lounge and they got on the plane and they were absolutely plastered it was like 2 p.m i don't know where they'd been i don't know why they were absolutely battered they got on and they sat next to luke and i'm like chuckling to myself (laughs) And uh, the next thing, they whip out like these packed lunches. But I mean, like homemade Scotch eggs and oh, all of this nice. stuff, and a knife and fork. They both what? had a knife and fork. Knife and fork on a plane. <laughs> proper silverware that they'd managed to get on, so they'd got through absolutely shit faced. And they had a knife and fork. And <laughs> Luke was trying, it was a four hour flight. So Luke was trying to do a little bit of work on his laptop. And at one point, the woman leans over and goes, You're not trying to blow us up, are you? Oh my God. <laughs> so 
<laughs> headphones in like <laughs> you've got the weirdest but they were i just don't know how they got the cutlery through how yeah. they actually got on the plate because mm -hmm. they were they were and they just argued with each other like they really hated each other for the entire flight and uh yeah oh, funny that was my latest travel experience well yesterday i was traveling home from scotland and uh it was like an epic, epic long journey because I um you had I had to get up at four to get the the really early EasyJet flight. This is why I still have strong opinions on speedy boarding, I guess. <laughs> and I was sitting on the train. I'd been I'd been sort of thinking about book ideas and stuff, and I literally was making a list on on a document that said fun ways to murder people. <laughs> and I was listing all these different ways to murder people. And then I sort of thought, yeah, I probably better not do this on the train with <laughs> someone sitting next to me. I love that. <laughs> funny. Have you had someone read over your shoulder before if you've tried to work on the train? Yeah, I've had that as well. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I read over, I'm a journalist by net, by mm. in background. So I read over people's shoulders when they sit next to me as well. And it's usually quite boring, but mm, yeah. I do like to know while people are doing it. So I know that people do it because I am, I'm guilty. Yeah, I've had, yeah. Before we go on any more tangents, <laughs> Andrina. Yes. What did not really kill you? Or what did not almost kill you? Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Andrina's a ghost. An sea line, a pair of Primark flip flops or a false moustache. And the thing that did not really kill me was you were correct the flip-flops oh, well done <laughs> i used to work on women's on, on um like the true life women's magazines um one called that's life and we did have quite a few stories about people who either got um you know had cheap flip-flops and they rubbed and they got on um uh blood a blood infection which obviously then nearly killed them oh. or we've we've had people who um tripped over as well probably after a few on holiday and so and it does happen but it hasn't happened to me right but uh the enraged sea line was when i was in the galapagos islands um oh, i was wow. really lucky enough to go on one of those um cruises around the islands years ago it was very you know not a cruise cruise it was just a rough and it was a boat with a bunk in it um and it was just absolutely astounding um amazing place if you if you like wildlife it's just you spend the whole time with your jaw like, oh. mm -hmm. um um but at one point we stopped off on at an island um which had well all of the islands had sea lions um and they also had uh, penguins so i was swimming around this bay um having a bit of a snorkel and going looking for some penguins and um there's so sea lions have there's a dominant male that lives on the beach with all of the females and then there's the bachelor's beach which is like a little beach off to one side that's not quite got quite such good fish and all the bachelors hang out there like oh right like little you know sea lion incels basically mm. <laughs> women don't appreciate me um, <laughs> And uh, so I and I was really fascinated by this, you know, the whole sort of structure of it. And I was swimming past. And I thought, you know, I can actually see the bachelors all sitting there on that beach there. And look, there's the other beach, all the females on it. And so I was swimming past the bachelor beach towards the main beach, wearing a wetsuit. Oh. And, I, you know, must have looked a tiny bit like a sea lion coming from the bachelor beach direction. So the dominant male comes, starts like uh, 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 right across mm -hmm. the beach 
pursue, like runs all the way across the beach and dives into the water. Oh, my he, God. Then I go through from this transition of being like fascinated with by nature to thinking, oh, crap, I'm going to get killed by oh <laughs> an enraged sea lion. And then I start swimming. And then, of course, I'm like, I'm really crap swimmer. There's no, oh no. way I'm going to outswim a sea lion. Um, and uh, I was like sort of screaming into my snorkel. <laughs> and then he swims up and just looks me in the eye and goes, oh, no, human, swims off again. <laughs> oh, God. Oh yeah, my that's god! So scary. That's, that's the proper close. <gasps> yeah. So, you know, um, it all flashed through my head. Then recovering my body. Yeah. Oh my god. Taking it back um, to my family, like killed by yeah. sea lion off the Galapagos Islands. Um, and can I just yeah. say, Andrina? Sorry, that that story gets the seal of approval from me and Cynthia. Not from me. No, I'm not having any part of that. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a pun no <laughs> no okay i refuse so, i'm cutting oh, that yeah uh so the false mustache was um a few years ago when i was still living in london i've got a friend who really really loves um the um anchorman film yeah um and she couldn't believe that me and my mate my other mate had never watched it so we decided to have an anchorman evening uh where we went round to her house and I bought everybody false moustaches to wear while we watched it. And uh, so we put the false moustaches on and started mucking about and taking photos and everything. And then I laughed and a bit of fluff when the false moustache went up my nose. Oh. And I could not stop. I, I started choking on it. Um, and because it was so ludicrous, I was also sort of laughing through my choking. And my friends were also <laughs> laughing so much that they couldn't really help me. <laughs> and they're desperately hacking away trying like going a bit blue and sort of saying she having trouble here oh, but not sheep and they're like laughing and saying actually shit this is really bad <laughs> and eventually i think i with like a few slaps on the back and yeah. a glass of water and stuff i was i was able to recover but it took me ages to recover oh but genuinely again i genuinely did have you know, I wasn't close to death or anything, but I could have been. Mm. So, yeah, I'm slightly exaggerated close to death moments, but still slightly scary. Still, I think yeah. if you feel it, mm, <laughs> it's valid, you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, please, will you come on again and tell us all the other ways that people died by flip-flop? <laughs> <laughs> I could do a whole episode just on all of the stories I did for for that's life. Oh, oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah it was yeah. really kind of quite. There was quite some crazy, and obviously some quite sad stories that I did over the years. But mm. it sort of made me really interested in characters, and that's how I ended up kind of because like the way people react to stuff is so different. Yeah, you know, if you know, you get a piece of bad news, you get a piece of bad news, I get a piece of bad news. We all react completely differently, and you know. It's um, it just made me realise how kind of diverse and amazing humans are, really. <laughs> yeah, some of us laugh when they're choking to de- when we're choking to death. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. She died with a smile on her face. Yeah. And- <laughs> Have you ever nearly died, Georgia, or felt like you were close to it? I remember choking on a um, chicken McNugget in McDonald's and and went and I was a child and I remember like you say you I was 
it was all going through my head. I was like, I'm going to die. And I was looking around at my family who was just eating their McDonald's. And I'm just sitting there like, and I wasn't really coughing, but I was like, you know, and then I think my mum realised and gave me a whack on the back. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I really remember that really vividly because I thought I'm going to die. And I was only, lit- I was only a child. So it was really scary. But this but is how it ends in McDonald's. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, really weird. I'm only eight. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Cynthia? Yeah, I got hit by a car when I was 14. Oh, crap. Um, outside my house, which uh, was fun. But I remember so well, like I don't remember it happening, but I remember being on the floor in the middle of the road and being like, oh, my God, well, I better get up before another one hits me. <laughs> and I walked to the side of the road and I sat on a wall oh. and my shoes and socks had been knocked off um, and my, I had like a satchel and it was all wrapped around my neck and I couldn't get it off because I'd broken my arm. And I just sat on this wall, but I do, I remember that so vividly that thought of if you don't move, it's going to happen again. So I just got up and what okay. the ambulance people were like, why are you so calm? I was like, don't know. <laughs> don't know. And that's Little did they know. in a in a crisis but like day-to-day things like having to hang the washing up I have mm. like a small meltdown mm. but uh, now life and death stuff I'm quite calm so you would be a good person to intervene if there's something going on because you just like remain yeah. really calm about it yeah maybe, you do in yeah. the moment I think like the survival instinct does kick in and everything does slow down yeah and yeah. you do kind of all of a sudden every single moment you can perceive like it, the passage of time so much more precisely yeah it's yeah. funny how well you remember it even though it was so long ago but it must be burned in yeah yeah were you on your where, what were you doing were you on i was coming home from school i was oh. um i had so we'd stopped on the little like island in the middle of the road and the school bus was pulling off so i think that it was blocking me and somebody was coming around a corner too fast, um, even though she said later on that she wasn't. Um, and what had annoyed me was my sister had run across the road and I waited because that was not sensible. So mm. I waited and then I crossed and then this car hit me. And to this day, like, because she said that she had, because I remember the beep, that's why I looked. Mm. Um, but she, uh, she was adamant that it was my fault. But I was like, but... I, I really remember looking because my sister had just legged it. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. 14, so nobody believed me, um, even though we had Aww. other sorry, can you see that light coming through? I'm being blinded here. <laughs> um there was two kids my age who said it was her fault, and there was a man a couple of cars behind who said it was my fault. Um, which I remember oh. my mum was really annoyed because it went to court and I got less money for it. <laughs> so, and then I got £3,000 when I was 18 and I went to Ibiza. So it was totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. I just spent it on crap. Um, but valid. I did not get false moustache compensation. I think <laughs> you should have oh. gone to small claims. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, be careful, kids. That's all I can say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, there we go. You right. should have tried to sue Will Ferrell for making <laughs> a man so, oh, yeah, so popular. Anyway, <laughs> gosh, 
Right, let's wrap up. So thank you so much for coming and joining us, Andrina. Do you want to quickly tell us where we can find you online and maybe drop where we can get your book before we go? You can find me on Twitter slash X on um, at Andrina Cordani, A-N-D-R-E-I-N-A-C-O-R-D-A-N-I and uh, Instagram on the same, just without capital letters. And yeah, my book, my current book is a, a whodunit for adults called The 12 Days of Murder um from all good bookshops um and there's also um my ya books are the girl who and dead lucky and they are both um available i mean they can be ordered from bookshops but because they've been out a year so they're not like everywhere where they used to be but thank you it's been so brilliant coming on i've had a really good time yeah, we've been waiting fun. to have you on for ages as well <laughs> i know i'm glad we got yeah. around to it <laughs> this and has been ideal as well with the christmas theme yeah so yeah. i feel like yeah. even though we're recording out of order so it's actually only the end of november but this will be out at christmas so happy yeah. christmas Happy yeah, christmas. merry christmas everyone proud perk to smile on you and not rip out your insides yes <laughs> make sure you do all of your spinning before yeah. the sixth of <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right thank you Bye. Brilliant. Bye. Bye. Browser history deleted.